It's Law Podcast. Today's episode nine, and we're going to talk about what the real cost is to litigate a case. I'm Richie Edwards from FR Law Group. I'll be hosting today. Uh, with me is Troy Froderman, and you heard a lot from Troy, and lucky to hear again from him. And we have actually a surprise guest today, Peter Liefer from Prime View. It's a surprise to Peter that he's going to be on here. He was here for another meeting, and and we drug him in. So he's going to hopefully provide a uh, the perspective from somebody who is somewhat shocked maybe <laughs> about what uh, litigating a case might be. So, you know, what we want to do today is to educate all of you going into a lawsuit, if you've never been involved before, what it's going to cost, what sorts of things you should ask your attorney when you're deciding who to hire, you know, what they plan to do pre-suit, what they plan to do as far as depositions and discovery, and how they plan to minimize costs where possible and what sort of things they expect to cost a lot of money as far as expenses and time. So, um, Troy, we'll, we'll get right into that. But in your experience, you know, how surprising is it to people when they get, you know, the first set of bills and, and they've started a lawsuit and they're going after a bunch of money, but wow, when that hits. Uh, very surprised. And in fact, this is a timely topic because I had this very conversation a few hours ago with a client who is you know, new to the world, if you call it that, of litigation. And um, her eyes were open very wide during that conversation. Peter, when he came in, said, what do you mean real cost of litigation? And we were basically giving him a real thumbnail sketch of this discussion. And he also was uh, surprised. <laughs> Right. And so uh, most people, they they look at uh, suits or some other TV show and they think, all right, you get the case on Monday, take a deposition on Tuesday and you're in the courtroom on Wednesday and then fireworks and, you know, case is resolved next right, episode. Right, right, right. So that's not. Sorry, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's not quite how it works. Um, and getting the checks even longer than you would think. Yeah. So. Um, it's extremely important that if you find yourself at a crossroads where you're going to be likely involved in a lawsuit, um, first and foremost, treat it like you are going to get surgery and don't land with the first lawyer who you interview with. Yeah. Uh, get get a, a range of opinions and, and opportunities. And uh, maybe back in the day, a uh, long, long time ago, lawyers were generalists and a lawyer one day might be handling a medical malpractice claim and the next day uh, handling a worker's comp claim and then the third day handling a tax matter. Yeah. That's not the world that we live in. Everybody specializes. Right. So if if you have a lawsuit that's uh, that arises out of an insurance claim, uh, don't interview lawyers that do tax law or labor and employment. <laughs> uh, likewise, if, if you have a tax matter, you shouldn't really be interviewing me. Um, so make sure that you do your homework. Pretty much everybody is on the, well, everybody's on the internet. You can do your homework before you meet with the lawyer. Um, Yelp gives certain reviews as well. I don't know if anybody really pays attention to them or not. Um, but I think, I think you get the, the factor is make sure that you're comfortable with who you're hiring. Right. Um, and there are a lot of factors that come into play. Yeah. So before you even file the lawsuit, there's a cost, uh, even before meeting right. with a lawyer. So, so what are some of those? Um, well, the cost is, first of all, whatever you're out of pocket, obviously. 
So let's say you're out of pocket a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Um, are you going to spend two hundred thousand dollars to get a hundred thousand dollars? Right. The answer is yes if you didn't do your homework and 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 put a strict uh, budget on your lawyer. Um, the the answer might very well be yes, and that's obviously not what you want. If I can ask some dumb yeah. questions, I think it's why you're grabbing. <laughs> no thing is yeah. a dumb question, but maybe <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. I, I'm looking for a lawyer. I've seen there's lots of good glitzy, glamorous looking websites and stuff like that. I go find somebody that you know that isn't a generalist, you know, uh, you know. So somebody's usually related to business if that's the area I'm going to go into. Sure. Um, I looked at maybe their reviews and stuff like that, and they should have a combination of stellar reviews and some because some people just you know that's just the way this. How do I? What kind of questions do I ask the guy or a person, woman, so, or whatever the person? Yeah, I think that the some real general questions that you can ask is what's your track record of representing clients on this specific issue? Okay. Um, don't want to be again any. Especially if it's something that sink or swim right. your operations. So you want proof. How many times have you been involved in dealing with a non-solicitation dispute. How many times have you been involved uh, where the question dealt with an additional insured endorsement? Uh, you don't want to uh, and you'll get a good to know more about your case than that lawyer. Sure. Now he may have the he or she may have the well hopefully has the experience that you don't have uh, regarding the you know how you handle those issues but you know what the issues are right so make sure you're getting somebody that you feel comfortable has a good grasp of that area of the law understands and you communicate well with one another okay and that you have an understanding in writing a written fee agreement as to what the scope of their engagement is okay. and hold them accountable to that. Okay. I, I think there's another point on top of what Troy said about it, that kind of goes hand in hand with finding the right person in the right firm, but, but also the cost. And I think that's questions about, you know, after you've gotten what experience they have, have they done these cases? What's their track record? Do they go to trial? It's, you know, what, what's their sort of strategy? How do they like to litigate a case? Are they trying to, achieve an early settlement or, you know, are they trying to take it all the way to the end and get to trial and settle on the courthouse steps as it were, you know, what is their track record and what is their strategy? Because that will dictate if it's something you want to get involved with their personality, but also a lot of the cost, right? Because as Troy said, there's going to be costs right from the beginning, but sometimes we spend a little bit of money early, we get an early settlement and everybody's very happy. If the lawyer's strategy is, you know, to take it all the way to trial before you settle, you might lose out on, you know, a, a delta that you could have got that you instead spent on fees. So I think that's also an important thing to ask right from the beginning, how they plan on litigating. And it, with that also is expecting them to provide you with a budget. How much is this going to cost me? Now, lawyers, the legal field is one of the few areas in commerce where when you ask that question, you don't get a real good answer. 
Okay. So I, you, my doctor too. Right. <laughs> well, so, usually your doctor. Well, you know how much your surgery is going to cost. Um, you go to buy a car. You know what the the value is. Right. Um, so I heard somebody say this at a conference one time, and I, I agree with it. If if you ask the lawyer, look, here's the issue that we're going to hire you to do. Give me an expectation of what this is going to cost. If the lawyer can't at least give you some answer that gives you a way that you can then prepare for that expense, then I think the response is, well, if you're the expert in this issue and you don't know how much it's going to cost, how am I supposed to know so that I can budget for this? Right. Because there's not, and I tell this to our associates all the time, nothing is more annoying to a client than to be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. to be surprised by a bill, to be surprised by evidence that we didn't share, almost like the bait and switch. Um, yeah. you, you come into the lawyer, gung-ho the first day, we're going to do this for you, we're going to take <laughs> care of everything, sign this, we've got your back. Um, and let's say the you know, you, they agree on a budget, they've exceeded the budget, and they come to you and say, by the way, yeah, you need to settle this case. You, you got some serious holes in in your case. Um, that's terrible. So, the very beginning, you need to set expectations. Right. And let's so yeah, go ahead. If I'm if I'm talking to the lawyer or law firm about what the case is, and I so the things I would want to know is like, hey, is this like I'm going to make the guy, you know, pay, or I just want to get this done and complete and. And, and, you know, off my chest, as it were, in a way that works for everybody. Mm-hmm. So those are ways that, that, that if I know that going into, that's going to give more guidance to the lawyer about what he or she should take. So, right? yes. And then also what I'm hearing for you is, then I say, okay, great. So I want to go, I'm making this up. I just want to get this settled and taken care of. Um, and, you know, what budget, what's a realistic budget that you can stand behind that's going to give me a breakdown of what these expenses should be I know things happen, but it should be based on what I showed with you. Right. Yep. Right. And you, you shouldn't you shouldn't keep receiving an exception. Well, they we didn't anticipate this, or they yeah. and there is some truth to that that once you file a lawsuit, you can it's hard to control the other side. Right. And maybe the other side's reasonable and they're not gonna, you know, do scorched earth. Maybe the other side isn't reasonable. And, right. and you can't just sit there and take all the punches because you have a budget. But you got to communicate that with the client. Okay. Um, something that, that I thought you were going to, which um, <clears throat> I even heard today, which, so I think that my response after 34 years is different than what it had been when I was early on in my practice. So a client today, a new client asked, all right, so here's my out-of-pocket expenses on this breach of contract claim. Let's say it's X. Uh, I've already incurred some fees with my other lawyer, so that's why. Um, you're going to incur expenses and fees, so we'll call that Z. He said, how likely is it that at the end of the day, I'm going to collect on every X, Y, and Z, everything? And the answer is, it's not very likely at all. Um, so... The only way that you're going to get Z, our attorney's fees and costs, is the other side has just completely um, botched the case or the other side uh, destroyed evidence or or something that's so 
damning that they'll pay anything to get out of the case. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, 99.9% of all cases settle. They settle and basically you end up eating whatever attorney's fees you've incurred. Now, sometimes you can bake them in there a little bit, but you're not going to get 100%. The only way you're going to get 100% is if you go to trial. Uh, and you go to trial and you get a judgment. And then the judgment awards you attorney's fees. Uh, How realistic is that? How often is that? Happen? Not very often. So let me give you an example. Okay. And, and the reason why is you're coming to me day one, you're dead set. I'll never settle for anything less than full value of this case. Right. And then we go to the scheduling conference with the court, which is usually some time off, but that's where you you have your trial set. And I come back to you and I say, Peter, uh, today is December 19th, 2023. Your trial date is June of 2025. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you can is that do, pretty common? Yes. Yeah. You can do the math. You're like, oh, hang on a second. Wow. So you're entitled to prejudgment interest, but you have to prevail to get that. You have to win in order to get the, yeah. the interest. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so then, you know, Peter says, hmm, <laughs> maybe I'll take something less than 100%. Right. right. And so it's it's the value of time, resources, and money. Got it. Uh, so an expense that people don't expect, but is real, is time. Yeah. Um, and the resources that we have to pull away. Let's say that you're in a lawsuit with uh, a competitor and they want to take four depositions of your people. We need to pull them aside, meet with them. You need them on this project over here because we're not making you money. Right. Costing you money. Right. You're right. For a while, you're writing us checks. Right. And taking away your people who would help to pay for those checks. Right. Um, so that's an important time consideration. Um, the, just the resources that you're going to lose. The aggravation of it there's some value to that right yeah uh, and so i think one of the things that people don't appreciate is that before you file a complaint the lawsuit you have those costs but let's say that it's a construction claim well you need to go out and hire an expert really to begin with to do a claims analysis and that's an expense before you even file the lawsuit Oh, okay. Yeah, because you want to be ready. And in that particular arena, construction field, um, claims analysis is critical to prosecuting those claims. Okay. So I have to, so I'm paying the lawyer. I'm retaining him for this. In order, in the, in the construction side of things, I've got to also send out a expert, I presume. Yes. To go out there and look at the, the damages or whatever I think is appropriate. They come back and say, yes, this is clearly wrong or no, or whatever their result is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm paying for that person too. So yes. It's just how to, what is a typical person like that cost? So again, it depends on the value of the case. We've got a case right now where the that claims analysis fills volumes of notebooks. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm sure he's not the $10 note. No. No. You can sense that that's, you know, a great expense. Right. Um, so, so the client is the the, plain, the the person suing or asking for it is he's writing the, the checks for all of the analysis and the claims that well. right and then he pays the law firm to review the analysis of course <laughs> so of course. Wow. that's why getting a budget's imperative okay 
So it has to make sense. I mean, if you're going after this set of money and you think you can win it, it makes it make sense that you can do this. Now, will insurance cover any of this stuff or no? How does that work? No, uh, really. So there, back in the day, there were uh, lines of policies that were kind of an underwritten to handle litigation, but those really never made much of a splash. They do have for um, plaintiff's cases, I mean, everybody knows about how litigation funders. Okay. So you have private equity groups who come in. So if the case is strong enough, they'll write you a check for a portion of that for an exchange for what could be the result. Correct. And they usually want uh, you know, a significant kicker. If you borrow a dollar, they want $10 back. Wow. Okay. So and, and but it's non-recourse. So if you don't win, you don't have to pay back the money. Okay. So you're gambling. Yeah. It's <laughs> so errors. Well, we it used to be that the only legalized form of gambling in Arizona was trying a case. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Troy, that we've kind of gotten now around to you talked about the expert, the claims investigation. And that's sort of an important part of what's what's the suit gonna cost because you're going to, you know, they come to us, people hire us and they want to file a lawsuit. You want to sue the person who's wronged you. And it takes a while to get there. You know, you've mentioned the construction case, you need to do an analysis and hire an expert. But even non-construction case to to do a thorough analysis of all the documents and emails and and interview maybe people you might to really investigator. see someone to investigate to really see how strong is this what's the real story before we jump in and file a lawsuit that maybe isn't as strong or, or we can make stronger by our, our investigation so that initial expense can be expensive but it's also i think very important because it can really lay the foundation for a strong case or help you avoid pitfalls that you might run into because you've done your investigation you kind of know how to direct the lawsuit to get there. And, and that's, I think, something that at least before I kind of really started into this a few years ago, didn't have a, an appreciation for is how much money spent early on can be significant, but also can be maybe the most valuable expense you have. Yeah. And it's, so even before the lawsuit, there could be other types of expenses. So uh, we were dealing with one earlier this morning. So say your client uh, feels like it's entitled to uh, compensation from another company for services that were provided uh, and that the, that other entity uh, withheld sums that were due to you. Okay. Um, and you've asked for information to try to figure out how much is owed and they just throw a huge electronic data dump on you. Okay. And so uh, you don't want to hire the lawyers to go through and sift through the <laughs> electronic information. So you need an expert to go through and do that. That's yeah. not inexpensive either. Got it. Another thing that's, uh, speaking of electronic information, so um, everybody obviously is in the cloud or has a server. Um, when lawsuits are being prepared, preservation letters go out. So we send out a preservation letter for representing plaintiff to the various defendants, basically says, don't destroy your information retain all of it. If you have a, a document uh, destruction program, put that on hold. Uh, and if you don't, and we find out you've destroyed or let information go away, then we're going to get an instruction that tells the jury that you didn't retain it because it was harmful to you. Ooh. Yes. And so okay. 
the cost of ESI is staggering. I mean, especially if you've got a case where there's you know just a truck. Yeah, the terabyte, yeah. The terabyte and a half of, of data we have, and and that's costing you know X dollars per gigabyte per month just to host on the platform so that everybody can review it and it can yeah. be provided and it can be redacted when it needs to. And wow. right. So I, in that scenario, what's an expense could be $10,000 a month to store and manage Easily, yeah. electronic data it could be a low end cost. Is that, is that electronic data uh, that the plaintiff has to pay for? or so that are... Typically both sides will pay for it, right? Yeah, you okay. have your data company, they'll have theirs. It starts with just your plaintiff's data so it's maybe half of what it would normally be. And then once both sides exchange data, now you're hosting double the amount of data. Is that on a third-party platform? Third-party platform. Okay, okay yeah. so it's something that keeps it safe, some kind of vault or some right. system or whatever. Right. Is. In addition to... Okay, great. And then you're, you're paying, right? So typically we'll review then in that, in that platform and it allows us to review and tag documents. It's very helpful because... Sure. We can then sure, get through documents more and more quickly. Yeah, um, you know, do depositions and things, but it's a huge expense, and it it can often dictate what you're doing. So, so we talked a little about the the pre lawsuit things. So we've done so, the pre lawsuit. Go so, ahead. So part of this the strategy is so I need to know what the budget is. I need to be aware of what the time frame of this because if it's a year on a system for that, you know, 2025, yeah. you said that's 120 grand potentially. Yeah, just on just data, expenses. just holding on to it. So a lot of data. Okay, great. And then, um, so the advantage, if I am starting this stuff up and I'm aware of these things, uh, you mentioned before, and this is the thing I want to touch on, is the investing, you know, so there's a whole set of, by going in and spending the time and resources to get this stuff set up in the beginning, really gives us a pathway of like, okay, this is going to take, if you want to wait till 2025, you're going to spend two or $300,000 on data preservation, headquarters and stuff like that. Or do you want to settle faster? Right. Right. Yep. So that is because they're paying the same or they're paying lower fees and all that other stuff at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's valuable. That's a really good insight. So I need to know, I, I should have a good idea of like what I'm willing to spend in order to potentially recruit right. this thing or not. And that right. gives you any lawyers like an idea of like, okay, here's what they're looking for. Right. right. And what I should be right. Are we just trying to settle this pre-suit? Are we, are we just maybe in a certain cases, hey, it's a it's a, it's a good sum of money, but it's not worth the litigation. So are we just going to spend a few thousand dollars initially to, you know, go back and forth and write a demand letter and, and try to lay out our case to just try to get an early settlement that can really dictate exactly what you said, how you want to go about the case. And if you even do or if you maybe want to, you know, try to settle early on. Um, so so that's huge. Then, so say we've done that, right? We've, yep. we've paid all that money up front and we've said, this is a good case. There's a lot of money at stake. We have a strong case. Let's file a lawsuit. It's, you know, that's going to take a lot of time to file a good lawsuit that they can't get after. So your your first initial expense filed the lawsuit, you know, I don't know, $10,000 maybe to draft and, and really make the lawsuit very strong right at the beginning of the case, right? Another big expense yeah. as it gets started. And, and then- those expenses start to roll, right? Depositions, discovery, different things that that can really increase while you're getting to trial, right? From this December date to June of 2025, like true thing. And not that, that, so this expense isn't going to scare anybody in light of what we've just been talking about. (laughs) But um, (laughs) to file the complaint, right? The court charges us 
So we charge you. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's and depending on which court it is, it can be $300. It could be $500 just to allow us to file the complaint. Um, and so, nice yes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, they have to make money too. So uh, we in a previous podcast, the Maricopa County, which is where Phoenix is uh, situated, the annual judicial budget for the Superior Court, $325 million. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, wow. and that's just one county and, and yeah, one anyway. city, one state. Right. So, okay. going, so then moving forward, we have what's called discovery. Okay. And, well, it, we may not even get to discovery. The other side, rather than file an answer to the complaint, they may file a motion to dismiss. Okay. And then you got to battle all that out, which is expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, they either get your case dismissed or they answer it. Then you go through this very long, arduous discovery process where you do disclosure statements, you re- exchange documents, you review the documents, you hire experts. Normally, a case has a minimum of two experts, could have more depending on the issues. Um, <clears throat> what does a typical expert cost? I, mean, is it, I know it's a range of like, you know, depending on the, like, the neuroscience versus a yeah. CPA, but is, it, is there a range or what's the biggest you've ever seen? For an expert, uh, so it was a very large case where we had to have an insurance archaeology firm, where the the, okay. <laughs> the archaeologists had to go in and recreate hundreds of uh, hundred years of insurance policies, and they had to go through boxes through the London market where they were finding slips of paper, and uh, I think we that was like three hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. Well. Okay. Let's say your case is a million dollars and we're not sure what the issues are, but um, you could expect the expert fees to be close to $100,000. For expert? No, total. Total. Okay. Yeah. So the the thing that shocks people, we were talking to you about this offline. (laughs) So when you take a deposition, you know, I think people have seen it on in movies or TV or they've had one themselves. Right. Uh, it's sworn testimony. So there's this stenographer taking everything down. Um, a transcript of any size, say the deposition is three hours long, the transcript's going to be around $1,200 to $1,500. To have somebody type this stuff into yeah. In the day of electronic data where you can have this stuff translated on the fly, why do you still need a stenographer? Um, that's a different episode. Uh, <laughs> hey, all right, great. Sorry. Yeah. I don't want to get my court reporter friends angry with me. Okay. Got it. Yeah. All right. Um, and Very good. I think there are some good answers to that. I think sure. there's a, so there, <laughs> there's this one system back east where they actually talk into a mask. So you're giving your testimony while you're in, they're repeating everything you're saying, and it's going into the machine. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's very distracting too. Um, so there are some occasions when you want to videotape a deposition. Okay. Maybe the witness won't be available at trial. Maybe you think that the witness is going to be hostile and you want to capture the moment. Um, (laughs) the, the video will cost anywhere from 1500 to $2,500. 
So you've got the is transcripts. The sonographer is doing the video. No, it's, it's, a, a, it's a different person called separate person. Video, 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 third, third certified videographers. Okay. Uh, Peter Leifer couldn't come in and just take his home camera. <laughs> you have to be certified. Okay. I had somebody try to do that once and it yeah. didn't go over well. <laughs> right. Um, so you've got five hundred bucks and make it certified. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. like, yeah, it's yeah. pretty boring though. You're sitting there the whole time. Uh, so. <clears throat> You got the transcript, you got the videographer's cost, and then you have the attorney's fees. You're going to pay me to take the deposition or to defend the deposition. Mm -hmm. So each deposition easily can run anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000. And legal fees or combined? Combined. All all those three things. And and like Troy's saying, you're paying the, uh, whatever, it's $3,000 or $3,500 for the sonographer and the videographer. And you're paying for Troy's time to be there for four hours. But if he does if he does it right, like Troy does, well, he's gonna prepare beforehand and he's gonna spend time beforehand. Oh, okay. So your time right. beforehand that you're paying him, yeah. because if he doesn't prepare, then the money you spend at the deposition is worthless. You're not gonna yeah. get any good information. And so what is it in this speaking of that? So like sure. great, so you have to prepare. That's makes sense to me. Way back in the day, I did high school debate and I remember, <laughs> yeah. you know, studying all the cards and trying to figure yeah. out. Yeah. But what are you looking for? How what are you when you're doing that preparation, what is it you're trying to find out or get ready to ask the questions about? I mean, I, we've already seen the movies, but yeah, yeah. Sure. what is the... You, you review the documents that have been produced by the other side. You review the documents that you have. Uh, depending on the who the witness is, you're not going to... If the witness is somebody who is an accountant, you're not going to be looking at the contracts. You're going to look at accounting records. Um, so you want to be prepared because the... The whole idea of taking a deposition is to get the person's knowledge, but also to frame their testimony so that they're locked in. Okay. And so you want to, you, you need to know the case. And you know, some lawyers do outlines. My way I do it is I use the documents as my outline. Okay. So I have them all there. I've got highlighted my copies and I just go through it. Okay. And so they're, they're emails back and forth, right, yeah. that are relevant to what was going on in the accountant he's reviewing the accountant records and and maybe a report that the accountant created or all of these different things to get this person to say on the record yes i did this no i didn't do that yes i received this notice you know whatever the big issues are we're saying here's this document it's you saying sending this email on this date and this is what you said right and this is important because right. of whatever right you're really building your case because like Troy said, they're under oath, so you lock them in and they can't change it after the fact or they look really bad in front of the jury and, and yeah. you can discredit them. Also, I think if you do depositions, right, the hope is you can get all that information out. Maybe it helps to settle the case because it, it seems yeah. like, OK, we've we, we're likely to win or our case is stronger after depositions than it was beforehand. Well, and that's the next uh, expense you have is taking the testimony that's been uh, produced and filing a motion for summary judgment, which is basically saying to the court, there's no genuine issue of material fact here. Everybody agrees on what the facts are. Their witnesses agree on what the facts are, and therefore apply the law to these facts, and we win. Got it. So, so again, this is a neophyte in this stuff, and hoping to stay that way. Um, <laughs> so I've got an issue. Um, I do a deposition, and I've been in a involved in a couple of depositions as yeah. witnesses for different, you know, things for, you know, web and stuff yeah. like that. And so yeah, of course we've done for clients. Um, and usually it's not me. It's usually like there's three or four different people. So how many depositions typically does it look like that I'm going to be paying for if it's me? Well, we're probably going to take 
five or six and and the other side probably does so we have to be there and defend the deposition yeah. so 10, 10 10 minimum of 10 and then up into a larger case what's the most you guys ever did uh probably 200 <laughs> well there's a there's okay. a water adjudication matter here in the state that's been going on since i think 1970 something and there have been thousands of depositions that's obviously a uh, not a good example. Normally, no more than 10 depositions, usually around five, depending on the type of case. The rules of civil procedure have really clamped down on discovery abuses. It used to okay. be that you could just have a witness there and talk to them and ask them questions for days on end. Uh, now there are time constraints and limitations. So courts are, have tried to dealt with abuses so that the expense of litigation can at least somewhat be curtailed. Somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> You're right. So, okay. So, all right. That's helpful. So I'm looking at roughly five or 10, depending upon what I'm dealing with. And then I would imagine larger, more complex cases involving more work is going to make a difference in terms of who you would need to interview. Right. So you prepare it, you put it together, you've framed it, you've prepped for it, then you have that the, that information and then do you sum, I assume you summarize it afterwards or what does it typically work? I mean, don't just, when it's done, then you've got all the data and stuff like that. Are you summarizing the post deposition information or is there some? That it, or it, it, it depends. It's a good question. It depends on the nature of your firm. Okay. If you're representing insurance companies where they hire you to defend people in accidents or, or other issues, they have a whole system of bureaucracy that requires summaries our clients don't they don't want to pay for a summary and i don't want to do a summary so we're so <laughs> well um our summaries are in the motion for summary judgment okay and that's and, something we follow the court yeah so basically you've, you've done the like you said you've done the research you said basically okay here's all the information this supports why we are pursuing this case legally please just agree to that and the other side can counter they file it they either file their own motion Right. Or they file a response. Of course, they don't. They never agree with our position. It's <laughs> uh, so it it's up to the judge to determine whether the judge thinks that there's no real issue as to what the facts are. Okay. And based on that, I'll apply the law based on those facts. Okay. <clears throat> Sadly, I think more often than not, though, people can create questions of fact, and so then you're going to trial. Um, a lot of cases are required to have mandatory settlement conferences or mediations. Okay. And a lot of cases get resolved in that, but not until you've had all the discovery, because if you do that mediation early on, you know, people are going to bluff and say, oh, and, and so you, you need everything locked in so that the mediator isn't hoodwinked by you know some oh that's not what the witness is going to say at all well, actually he did um so <clears throat> assuming worst case scenario you can't settle okay you're going to trial right so in 2025 yes <laughs> so the cost for that are normally we retain a uh, consultant to help us with the jury um but okay. more along the lines of this, doing focus groups, where before the trial we have a consultant who's canvassed the the marketplace, okay, and 
pays people like, I don't know, $100 to come in and sit in a focus group. It's not a mock trial. Okay. But they've come in, they've agreed that we'll listen. We won't, you know, just eat lunch and leave. And, right. then, and then they provide us their feedback as to what arguments they thought were good for us and what arguments they didn't like, okay. uh, what they okay. thought of certain witnesses. So that helps us then uh, go to trial. So the, the focus groups can be anywhere from twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Or more, depending on how much you put into it. Um, the reason you'd spend that is you want to know how these things land on a potential jury, right? And get a sense of it. So we do a lot of that stuff in, in the marketing world. Is kind of like user, you know, user studies and stuff like that. Yeah. Like people look at different. Very things. similar. Okay. So you you don't want to. What you don't want to do is go through this tremendous expense and time and then assume that the, a juror will agree with you. So you want somebody who's going to be in the same position as sitting in the jury box and hearing all of this for the first time and only hearing what's being presented. And then they bring in their own thoughts, their own backgrounds, their right. own experiences. Yeah. So you're you're hoping to take that and say, okay, thank you. And then when the jury gets in panel, you go back and look, but this is just like this focus group member. This is what she said to look at. Oh, okay. And so that's why we do it. Uh, the expense for the trial itself, you're going to have probably two lawyers, a paralegal. Um, trials are, you know, they're fun, but they're I think clients are shocked, I know they're shocked, when they see just the amount of time, stress, energy it takes, because you're working literally around the clock. The amount of documents you take up through the trial, right? Binders and yeah. binders, boxes of documents to show the different witnesses. And so in this day and age, you're still using boxes and, and binders? Depends on the courtroom. Okay. So in, we're fortunate in the county. We practice in yeah. it's electronically configured right? okay but if you're in the you know maybe rural county, county yeah maybe not you might have to take hard copy i mean we just for you know, have a trial coming up in coconino they require hard copies of, of all of the documents yeah wow you got to send a copy to the judge a few weeks in advance and then you've got to have copies for the witnesses and right so that can be another the trial the consultant to do the impanel thing is that an average thing like most people will do that kind of thing to figure out what the it depends it, okay is there a certain size case where that person doesn't come in i'd say it's got to at least be a million dollar case okay okay and then they know us where you're looking for at least a million dollars from the defendant yes but, right I'm saying that, right. it's funny though on the documents so <laughs> we had a case in st louis county this goes back a long time ago um, and the the judge in that case was Jimmy Hoffa's daughter. Oh my God! Yeah, and um, okay. It, so in the, in the, justice personality, one yes, was. right. In that courtroom, they heard everything. They heard um, traffic sight. It was just ridiculous. They had a. We sat there. We were getting ready to argue a discovery motion. Oh, they won't give us that document. Uh, and the case before us was a. Sentencing of a guy who uh, murdered two young girls. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, we're like, oh, I don't want to be the person standing up here arguing documents now. Arguing about a document <laughs> yeah. from a judge who right. just. Right. So, anyway, back to Jimmy Hoffa, his daughter. So you were asking about hard copies. Right. Uh, we sh This was a case that involved 
30 different insurance companies, uh, 75 years worth of coverage. You can imagine the volume of documents. We show up on the very first day of the scheduling conference and she walks in, she says, well, I just had this case for one day and I already have a banker's box. She said, what's going on here? <laughs> oh my God. So not only are clients, you know, shocked, but judges can be and sometimes. The judge in theory has to go through or should be going through that information? Not really. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you would think so, but no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got right. too much going on. Right. So let's say you, we'll try to wrap this up. You say that you, uh, the trial, you, you win. Yay. Yay. Right. Right. Um, they can appeal. Okay. <laughs> and an appeal can be nine months to a year. And then if they lose that, they can appeal to the Arizona Supreme Court. And the, I mean, they have to post a bond in most instances yeah. to cover the, the judgment, but you're still sitting here waiting. So what's it? So I win the case. Yay for me. But I, it's a million bucks. They, you know, they have to pay me a million bucks. I'm assuming they don't show up with a check, with a check the next day. How, do I, how long does it take to me to get the money? And and or what's that process? Like? So if they do not appeal, and so they could file a motion for a judgment notwithstanding the verdict, which is basically okay. saying, hey, you're right, but I shouldn't have to pay. The jury was the, the yeah, jury was wrong, judge. Just disregard right. them. Right. Is okay. what that moment yeah. was sure. Now, normally that doesn't take too long to deal so, with, no, but right. still. Um let's let's say that they don't appeal. And they agree that you know the verdict is what it is, probably within thirty to forty-five days. But you know that rarely happens because you don't have that many cases that go to trial, and then when they do go to trial, there's usually an appeal. Okay, which is more time, right? Right. More resources. How long does it use it? So, in the appeal side, how long is that usually? Well, if they went all if they went all the way to the Arizona Supreme Court, you could be waiting for one to two years. And so, if you get the win the judgment, how do you get paid? So normally, if if people have it, if it, so, if you're faced with a judgment and you have not appealed it, uh, then you pay it pretty quickly so you can get a satisfaction of the judgment because okay. you don't want that out there on your record. Okay. So it's up to, and then are there times where they don't pay you quickly? And I've heard stories of judgment and bankruptcy. Well, sure, you have that too. Yeah, yeah there's that aspect to it. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you've picked a defendant that you don't expect to file for bankruptcy. Right. Somebody that's collectible. Right? That goes into that early evaluation right. case. Hey, we're going to get a million bucks, but right. they're not going to have it. Is it worth you know spending it? They're just going to bankrupt, you know, file for bankruptcy because. There's nothing in the company. That's a, a big consideration. Right. Unfortunately. Nice. <laughs> okay. So it, there you go. So um, the majority of the cases when people are coming to you, they're, they're hoping to settle out and get some kind of thing as opposed to go through this fun experience of, of going through the full trial. Unless there's, so I imagine that the court hears things that are uh, more at stake than less at stake, right? Yeah. Larger cases and stuff like that. So the, the, the real issue there is when the client comes to you, to the lawyer in the first instance, uh, more often than not, emotion is the overriding sure. factor. Maybe not the overriding factor, but the, the factor that's most difficult for us to 
Unwind. Unwind is a good way to put it. Got it. We can deal with the objective, and here's how it will play out. But I can't get around the, you know, feeling like they've been wronged, and uh, especially with what we do, uh, suing insurance companies. You know, the people are. I paid my premiums. I've never been late. I've never made a claim. I make a claim now, and they deny it. What was the purpose of having insurance? <laughs> right. Okay. So that's uh, you know the cost to litigate a case, Peter. Thank you for being here. Yeah, so thank you. Good to have a dummy. Appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's it's good to you know we we deal with it, talk about it every day. It's oh, good yes. to, yeah. You know somebody who is in the position that the people we're talking to might be, and and you know like we say, we hope we never meet you in that position. Yeah, it's exactly. probably better for you, but. Right. Yeah, if we do, uh, we appreciate you going to our website, you know, calling us if you need anything, frlawgroup.com. This has been episode nine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>